Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This guy joins me now. Chris, what are you listening to? That's uh, your Little Hood Rat Friend by the Home Steady, a band with Twin Cities roots that now includes a Memphis guitarist in honor of Memphis and Memphis Grizzlies and Minnesota Timberwolves doing battle tonight. Uh, Grizzlies have not been swept by the Timberwolves since 2002-2003. But that certainly potential looms large tonight. Um, What do you make of the... If I I take Denver off the table, you don't get to pick Denver as as a a team that's going to be even in the Western Conference Finals. Um, where, Where do the Timberwolves rank in the next tier for you? The Timberwolves are kind of hard to gauge. I mean, I think they have a really good coach. They're a little bit more veteran team than, than say, Oklahoma City. Um, you know, they, they, they've, been, they've gone through the playoffs before a little bit, mostly with that group, at least to some degree or another. Um, Anthony Edwards has shown that he can step up in the playoffs. We, we saw that against the Grizzlies, even though the Grizzlies won the series. Um, their defense, I think, is terrific. You know, one of the maybe best in the league. I think it's rated first. But there's a real question with that team about offensive ex- execution. Like once you get that, once you get into tight games, you know, is is, is Edwards going to going to be the level of a Jokic, a level of a, of a Kawhi, that kind of thing? I I think I like them better in the playoffs than the Thunder. Uh, the fundamentals of the th- Thunder are really strong, but I just both both because of, because of the youth of that team and some of the makeup, I I struggle with them, and so. You know, I I, I think Minnesota, I, I would probably put ahead of the Thunder, maybe behind the Clippers, although the Clippers look a little bit more shaky lately. And I think you've said that you will be, your your emotional connection, you'll be rooting for Minnesota in the West and Cleveland. Got a nice win last night, Cleveland in the East? Yeah, I think so. I You know, I, I, I have history with, with, the, with the Timberwolves franchise in the Twin Cities, but then you got Mike Conley and Kyle Anderson there too, and so... Yep. You know, it was sort of a force for good. And Cleveland, you get, you know, even though they did steal the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame from us, you still got that sort of, you know, that that sort of middle middle of the country right. solidarity I, I tend to have. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. J.B. Bickerstaff. You have a column up at the Daily Memphian. Um, I have tweeted it out. It involves, you write about some of the stuff that you've talked about um, on this show, but some of that you fleshed out. So I want to go into a little bit, a little bit. One of the things you you wrote about, and this you talked about yesterday, was Jaron's usage rate, which is extraordinary. It was high when Desmond Bain was hurt. At that point, 
I think the numbers were 27.7 for Bain and 27.3 for Jaron. Since then, 35.9. And as you told us yesterday, um, only Joel Embiid is higher, which is extraordinary. What was interesting? Yeah, to, I, I, go I, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. A lot of listeners, a lot of listeners may have no idea what that what that stuff means. Usage rate. So well, go ahead. Go ahead. Like Tell a twenty people. second explanation. Yep. So usage rate is a, is a metric, a statistic. I don't know what the correct terminology would be, but it's basically what percentage of of plays you use when you're on the floor. Like what percentage of, of a team's plays are you sort of deciding the outcome of by taking a shot, by by having a turnover. By, by, by maybe by be you're involved in the assist that that leads to the shot. It's imperfect because you can be you you could pass to someone who gets fouled and you sort of part of the culmination of the play. It doesn't really show up, but it's a rough measure of what percentage of a team's offense are you sort of a deciding factor in. And I've always liked that as a, as a stat because it's not inherently positive or negative. It's sort of a contextual, and so. When you think of like you know you got five players and and you know if you divide it equally twenty percent would be sort of an average, and so the high end tends to be in the thirties, and so you know Jaron and Dez and you know, that twenty seven range were both at career high rates at that point, mostly because Ja had been out for most of it. Is and you may not know this off the top of your head. Is Jaws usage rate typically mid thirties, low thirties? Like what was that? You know, and I presume. It, it, go ahead. I believe, and I've looked at this in the past, but I did not look at this when I wrote this thing, so I'm going from memory a little bit. I think initially it was in the high 20s, and then it got into the 30s. And I think for, I mean, I wrote about this a couple years ago in terms of the, the Jaws usage rate, I thought it was too high. It had gotten to the point where it was like top five in the league. So it was in the mid-30s, mid, mid, mid 30s, um, you know, at the high at the high level. So I, I think that 29 number Jaw had in the nine games he played is probably a pretty good number for him. Um, but obviously for Jaron, it's insane, and it's a measure of how much. Well, the insane is not the twenty-seven. It's, right. I sort of cut you off before you get to that point. But since Daz has been out, and Jaws been out, and Marcus Smart's been out, with all three of those guards out, his his he said he uses rate of thirty-five, <laughs> which which in the context of the whole league would be second, like right behind Joel Embiid, who's the reigning MVP, and right ahead of Luka Doncic, who people consider the most ball dominant player in the league. So it's comical that Jared Jackson Jr.'s usage rate over the last six weeks with those guards out has been higher than Luca. Yeah. So one of the things that was interesting to me was is that we have, as we've talked about the positive things that have happened this year, obviously the emergence of Gigi and Vince and whatever else, we've also talked about how this has enabled um, or forced, really, Desmond and Jaron to stretch their games and diversify their games and do more, et cetera. You have a phrase here that it, you said, I think you acknowledge that's probably a good thing. But then in the column, and again, I've tweeted it out, people could read it. You said that the adjustment back, quote, could be bumpy. What is the, what? It will be interesting next year, presuming good health on the part of all of these uh, players. It will be interesting and maybe bumpy sorting it out, right? Yeah, I think Sharon's gotten reps this year in terms of expanding his game. Which will be useful, especially in the flow of games where, like, you know, you don't have John Des both out there. Uh, and maybe in some cases you don't have either out there. And Jaron can sort of, you can run more offense than him. I think it's good. I think him becoming a better passer, period, is good in, in all contexts. Right. Him get reps, just recognizing doubles and moving the ball and sort of becoming a better passer. But he has not gotten a lot of reps in what should be the primary way he is used when you're at your peak, which is when you have your full starting lineup on the floor. 
and at that point, you're not probably not running a lot of offense through him. He needs to be more of a play finisher. So he's not gotten a lot of reps like, you know, running pick and roll and like being the screener and the roller and being the screener and the popper and like, you know, playing off of dynamic guards because there are no dynamic guards to play off of. Yeah. Um, also on the topic of usage rates, um, whereas uh, Jaren's is stratospheric, Luke Kennard's remains low. Um, yeah, it hasn't, it hasn't really changed. And you would think, you know, with those guys out, you, he sort of has to do more, and he just hasn't done more. Um, and and you, can, you can look at that different ways. You could say, well, that's fine, because when the team is at its peak, you, you, he's not going to be doing more. He can, he can slide back into that sort of off-ball, low-usage role. And, and I think the team envisions that. But, but it does it sort of illustrated there's a, there's, a, there's a ceiling on his game. He has not been able to take on more the way that Jaron has taken on more. And I guess the rap, that was even the rap against him. But when he got here is that he can disappear, right? Yep. He can be removed. Uh, he can take it out of games. You then have, again, quoting you, um, it, quote-unquote, might give some pause given Kennard's nearly $15 million team option. Explain. Yeah, I think they'll get into the summer and they'll figure out, like, you know, what mechanism are we using to add to our front court? And if you're, if you're doing a mechanism that adds salary beyond what is already planned for your first-round draft pick, I, I think there's some give and take. There's going to be some give and take there that still hasn't happened. And the Canard doesn't necessarily have to be the take. But I, I don't think I think people should not roll out that that could still be the take in terms of like I, I think if there's there's if there's an addition beyond the first round pick in terms of salary there's going to be some subtraction along with it. Uh, and then a couple other things mentioned in the column again people can read it over at the Daily Memphian. One is just Zaire and his alley oops. Once upon a time, um, it was just Jaw throwing them to, to Zaire essentially. Now everyone seems to be. Yeah, even Gigi, who's just not good at it, you know? He's just, like, <laughs> throwing it up there. So, so, so Gigi Jackson as a alley-oop passer is uh-huh. over two now. Um, but and, and I probably should put a little chart in there to make that more discernible than just the, writing it out. But, you know, when John was – the nine games Ja played, he threw six oops to, to Zaire. So you do whatever math it is. That's yeah, close to one a game, not quite. And then in the, the, the 35 games he played without Ja – until this recent return from injury, there were seven. So you went from seven and 35 games to six and nine games in terms of with Ja or without Ja. Well, since he's been back in these last four or five games, like he's averaging more than one a game. Like everybody's just throwing him up there. Conchar's throwing him. Aldama's throwing him. Vince is throwing him. Gigi's throwing him. Everybody sort of got the memo. Just like, just, just throw the ball up at the rim when Zaire's <laughs> on the floor. Is it meaningful or is it just fun? It's mostly the latter, uh, but not entirely. I, I think, you know, it, it's sort of a novelty skill, but it's a skill that, like, results in two points most of the time. Right. And, like, those two, point, those two points are needed by the Grizzlies. Like, e- even, even with, like, accounting for, like, Gigi throwing lobs, too. Like, he, he's at, like, 75% on converting lobs this season. So, like, 14 for 18. If you can shoot 14 for 18 on any kind of shot, like, get more of those shots, I would say. And so I think it's a, it's a useful skill. Now, if it's the only skill, you, you're not worth having on the floor. So the rest of his game has to round out, and, and maybe it's too far gone for that. We'll see. But I do think his ability in, in the you know modern sort of basketball nerd like talk, they would call it vertical spacing. Right. His ability to be a vertical spacer, I think, is useful, and I think that's a useful quality to have, especially when Ja comes back, whatever it's from. But Brandon Clark gives you gives you some of that. He's a lob threat in a different kind of way. 
I think when they talk about, you know, what centers we could get, we talked a little bit yesterday about, like, the three boxes Steven Adams checked on offense as a low-usage center, the one he didn't, you know, that you could get some, somewhere else would be a spot-up shooter or stretch guy. Well, vertical spacers is a fifth box that, 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 that could be checked. Like, that's another way for a center to impact your offense without having the ball a lot is to be able to roll to the rim and jump up and, like, cram lobs on people, right? I think with John Branch, your point guard, having guys in your rotation who can offer that, that so-called vertical spacing is a valuable thing to have in the mix of stuff you have. And that is the one thing, maybe the only thing, but that is one thing that the Zion Williams does provide. It's funny. I was thinking as you were talking about this, uh, vertical spacers in Grizz history. Well, there was Stromile Swift once. He was Stro, man. Stro. Yeah. And then Darrell Arthur was a vertical spacer, wasn't he? A sort of? Yeah, uh, kind br- of? Briefly. Briefly. Briefly, but not, not in a others, major way. Others? Grizzlies haven't had a lot of... Grizzlies have not been an athletically dynamic kind of team. I mean, I mean, Rudy had, was athletic. Rudy, he was, yeah. Go ahead. With the, with the ball himself, you know. So you never really got that that is play finisher kind of thing. Hakeem Warwick a little bit, you know, was yeah. that kind of that kind of player. But there haven't been a lot. I mean, the Grizzlies big men have tended to, in particular, have tended to be floor bound kind of dudes. You know, <laughs> yeah, when you well, think uh, about Zebo, Mark, Hall and yeah. Zach Randolph. <laughs> and Jaron has not really developed much. Jaron is a weird kind of athlete in which he's dynamic if he's like going for a block, but he is right. not that springy straight off the floor. No, he looks like a guy who would be a who would be a vertical spacer. You're exactly right, and he yeah he blocks like crazy. So, um, all right, and then finally, a couple of February numbers. Um, one is Gigi. You have pointed out as we've gotten exuberantly excited about Gigi Jackson, uh, Memphis fans generally, um, that in the end he was shooting um, atypically well, um, given his history in college and in the G League. Right. And came down to earth a little bit in February. Yeah, I mean, no one knows where it's going to settle, even if it's going to settle. Sometimes three-point shooting doesn't settle. You know, it's just it just sort of bobs up and down and stuff. And so I, I think no one quite knows what kind of three-point shooter Gigi Jackson's going to be. Um, he could be a very good one, but I don't think we just don't know where that's going to land. The good news is that he doesn't. He has enough other stuff in his game. It's like he's not Luke Kennard out there. Like, like, like if you get forty percent three point shooting for him from him, great. But he may he may be really right. good without that. And so there's that aspect to it. But I just think the Gigi Jackson thing is going to be a journey. It's going to be a, tra- a multi year trajectory. I, I suspect, barring you know, barring some 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 unexpected like bad thing, that it will be an upward trajectory. But it will not be a smooth line. It'll be a jagged line on the upward trajectory, and that's I think only to be expected. In February scoring, um, in, in, in scoring in the month of February, um, among rookies, uh, his 15.2 points per game was fourth among, among rookies. But then the other February number, Jeffrey has been trying to convince me that I shouldn't give up on the Grizzlies finishing fifth from the bottom as opposed to where they are now, which is sixth from the bottom. And I, I, I look at that Portland team and I think, yeah, they, they, it's, there's five wins separating them. And, um, right. and then I learned on the way in today, I was listening to the show in front of ours, they were winless in February. It's hard to catch a damn team when they're not going to win. Yeah. Th- I mean, they're awful. They're due. No. <laughs> Do you have any hope? Do you, is the ceiling six from the bottom in your, in your view? I, I think it probably is. I think five's a lot of games to make up in any direction with a quarter of a season, only a quarter of a season to go. So, yeah, I, I don't put a lot of faith in that. Yeah. 
All right. Not with that attitude. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. It's Chris, Chris Harrington from the Daily Memphis. They went winless in February. Uh, that was depressing. And then we have a long February, too, Jeffrey. A particularly long February. Correct. And still winless in, in the month Again, of Again, this February. isn't going to be easy, Jeff. Nothing in life None of the, comes that the easy. None of the best things in life. You've got to work for it. The best things in life are... Are easy. What, by the way, when we were talking to John about the uh, about the Raiders stuff, yep. And the, and uh, talk about John because he cares about the Raiders, mm-hmm. but also it's one of the teams that when you think, what are they going to do? Who, yes. who drafts first, Denver or or the Oakland, Las Vegas, Denver or, or Las Vegas? Who's, I believe it's Denver. Like, I, think I think Denver's, Denver's a- ahead, right? I think Denver's ahead of them, um, and those are two of the landing spots. Um, Two of the, the questions. I don't I mean, if the if the Patriots are not convinced, I'm all for taking quarterbacks, right? You know my theory. Just keep throwing the throwing the dart, right? Yep. But I don't believe you should throw the dart at a quarterback that you fundamentally do not believe in. No, I like, I, I do it, think that's the key distinction. Yes. If you think, you know what? This could be the guy. Yeah, he's got some warts, but we see a lot. There is a real potential that this could be the guy. Yeah, also right could now be a whiff. Denver at 12 and then the Raiders at 13. I say go ahead and throw the dart because you might get Sam Donald. You might get Josh Allen, right? But if you really don't like the guy, like if you're like, forget it. I just don't see it. Well, then then I don't want you to – then I don't want to take him. Then I don't want you to take him. So it depends on – and if the Patriots just don't like him, then they should trade out, Right. I think so. I think the the calculus that they're probably making is, okay, well, A, we don't know. I think we can agree. It appears the Mac Jones era is done, right? Like, I don't, but I don't put any of the stock that Mac Jones has been at press conferences, and I think that era is done. Agreed? Right. I think it's done. Okay, so then the it, math. It, the fans hate him at the very least. For right? sure. You know? Then the math becomes, all right, which guy falls to us at three? Right. Because it does seem like. Most people have Drake May going too. Well, that's the other problem. The other issue, if you don't know who's going to, maybe you like one of them. Correct. And you don't, and so this is going to be, this would be a draft. Correct. And so then you start doing that math. Then the math could also be, well, we have J.J. McCarthy, we have J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix all graded out roughly the the same. The same as Jaden Daniels, right, for example. So why... Why don't we get? I right. mean, I, I think you're going to get. We, we have we have more needs than just quarterback. If you trade with the Raiders, you're going to get a really good player at 14. Is that what you said? Is that what they so are? they're at 13 right at now? Th- you get a really good player at 13, and then you get the Raiders pick next year. And you know what the Raiders are going to be next year? Probably bad. bad. They're going to be bad. And you get the. I think you get a you get the Raiders second this year at the very least, right? Don't you think you get? Uh, in, in at least a first and a second I mean, to the, trade right, down. Again, who knows? Who knows? We'll we'll find out whenever the deal gets done. But right now, they're saying the going rate for that pick is three firsts. Right. So even if it was two firsts, if, if the, obviously the even if it was two firsts and a second, correct. Uh, that if if you don't like Jaden Daniels, that's what you do. You do that deal and you let the Raiders I guess come the up thing and take that I'm really Daniels. struggling with, and I don't. We don't know if this is true because we are in the peak of smokescreen season. I do not know how you can like Drake May a ton and not like Jaden Daniels. I, I don't. I, well, I don't, maybe they like neither. But yes, I can see you mean because they're both 
Well, I mean, honestly, Drake May was not very good this year. And he, considering, relatively speaking, like if you just watch him, he had a pretty mediocre year by the standard that I held him to. Jaden Daniels was exceptional this year. One of the criticisms of people about him is they love his deep ball, but but his outs and across the middle accuracy and all that stuff as people are are wondering about is what, yeah, is what I've read. I thought he got a lot better this year. Like I, I I found myself impressed. The question that I have with him is was he just throwing to aliens? Well, there's that. But I mean the same thing I think holds true to Michael Penix. Like I think Michael well, Penix yeah, is 100%. receiving crew. Mike Mike Michael Penix is receiving crew. You might well if you if you could just trade I think half the teams in the league yeah. would trade their receiving crew for the receiving crew yeah. that Michael Penix and, and in fairness to Drake May, like, Tez Walker was, he's pretty good. He's He's got great tools, and he drops the damn ball a lot, and he's not, but and, they, and he wasn't there's even there's no question who threw to the worst receivers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it'll be interesting. I'm fascinated by how all of this will play out. We got Sam Hardiman coming up next. He talks to us about the city. Uh, before then, I will tell you. Uh, again, I'm deeply grateful to O'Call for making me look respectable in all things. But then I, I uh, of course, when I was getting married, I went out there and and uh, I got new pants, new five-pocket pants from Brax, incredibly comfortable, uh, good-looking pants, and a new shirt, and just a gorgeous new sport coat. Just a gorgeous new sport coat. And so, listen, this is it's spring. It doesn't feel like it so much today. But you can go out there and you can get... Uh, you know, all kinds of uh, sportswear and things to wear. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.